What's up, podcast? It is episode 206, and I am going solo in this one because I recently just did a seminar at my gym about deadlifting and low back pain, and I thought, you know what, I should share the information because, you know, I did this seminar actually last year, and when I was prepping for it, I was like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go back to my slides from last year, you know, I'll have a good basis, and I might just repeat the whole thing, and as I was going through the slides, I was like, oh, man, this is, this is not that good as I thought I was when I first did it a year ago, so I revamped it and put a lot of good information in there, and again, this kind of stuff always reassures me that I've learned something new. Or I've figured out a way or a better way to explain something for my listeners, for my clients, and so forth. So, you know, before we get started, I haven't done this in a while, I gotta do some shout-outs to my top cities. Number one is Chicago, Illinois. Shout out to everyone in Chicago listening to my show. I hear it's super, super freaking cold over there, and I am so sorry you have to deal with that. Honestly. I'm very fortunate being here in BC where it's pretty warm compared to anywhere else in the world. A lot of times when I do my podcast and I get people from other parts of the world on my show and I tell them I'm from Canada and I'll even say Vancouver, a lot of them are like, oh man, it must be super cold. And I'm like, "Mm, we're basically the only area in Canada that's not like freezing to death essentially. So Shout out to all the cities dealing with the super, super cold. Stay warm out there, my friends. Um, number two is Great Falls, Canada. Shout out to every Canadian city listening to my show. And number three is East Mosley in the UK. Shout out to everyone in the UK listening to my show. That is super, super awesome. So my presentation Because you are not seeing the slides, um, the one thing to note, I will actually post this whole presentation online where I actually tag team this thing with uh, the chiropractor that I work with. Um, So many of you who have been listening have probably noticed I've mentioned that, you know, at my new gym, I'm working in the clinic with a chiropractor. So what I did was this was over a year ago now when I first met this uh, amazing chiropractor, we literally think on the same lines when it comes to training and rehab. And the more we chatted, the more we just realized that we had to collaborate somehow. And we decided to combine coaching and chiropractic care together to make our patients get better faster. And we've been doing this since September and we've seen some amazing results because a lot of times, a lot of chiros that understand exercise, they know that exercise, like proper programming and proper exercise selection and coaching on top of it is fucking clutch when it comes to getting better. You know, I've chatted with a handful of chiros and physios that are like, I would love to spend 30 minutes with a patient teaching them how to deadlift properly, but from a financial and business sense, it's not the best route if you're trying to build a business where you can make, you know, a livelihood. So 
we've created a model where if you went in for a chiropractic treatment, it's 30 minutes, you get 15 to 20 minutes with the chiro, and the last portion with me, depending on what the chiro sees in that session. A lot of times, it's just on the spot, because you never know what you're going to get. Sometimes, just like in coaching, you'll have this perfect plan, but then client comes in, you know, might have drank all night, rolled their ankle, and now you have to deal with that when they roll in through the gym floor. So just like with a patient, you never know what's going to happen. A lot of times, you know, you'll start seeing a patient, they're feeling better, and then they come in and they had a flare-up, and you're like, fuck, now we have to regress everything. But this is where good coaching comes into play. If you know what to do with the individual, and now that you have this, like, deeper view of the body from the, you know, professional of a chiropractor, it's a win-win. You know, a lot of times that when the patient comes in, the chiro will tell me, you know, this person needs shoulder stability. They need, you know, passive T-spine mobility drills. And then look at their squat or deadlift on top of it. And then as I'm on the gym floor with this patient, giving them their rehab exercises to do daily or in the warm-up or in between main lifts... I also, you know, ask them, you know, like, how does your body feel when you're doing your squat, your bench, your deadlift, your pull-up, whatever, whatever the exercise is. And now I'm getting all this information from them. And from my trainer's eyes and trainer's view and knowledge, now I can, like, troubleshoot the problem. And a lot of times it's the small little things and just educating the patient of what they can do instead. And now they have this huge platform to continue their progress. And we've seen people get better so quickly because chirals and physios, when they go to school, they don't really, uh, like, learn that much about exercise selection and progression and regression. That's where my, uh, like, expertise comes in. Her, on the other hand, is more of the clinical side, and we both understand each other. So a lot of times she knows what exercise she would want to happen, but because I have a larger toolbox at my disposal, I'll mention something, and she's like, oh my god, yes, that would be amazing. So it's been working really, really well, and this is why we've teamed up to do a lot of seminars together to kind of bridge that gap between you know, rehab performance and just moving and feeling better. So when I put my slides together, I always start with finding funny GIFs or like memes or something like that and try to fit the information around it. So I have a lot of fun speaking at events. I love, love doing them. So imagine, you know, the professionalism of a chiropractor going up and chatting uh, your ear off and then here comes me like a freaking bull in a china shop with a title of my presentation how to deadlift and squat without fucking up your shit that's i kind of set the tone to make things light so you know deadlifting and squatting are my kind of two favorite things and a lot of people do it incorrectly you know i had a really good hands-on um portion of the seminar looking at people's um squat and deadlift and in this seminar, we actually ran out of time and we just focused on the deadlift. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to share my information that I've updated and show the requirements in order for someone to barbell deadlift. And this is the funny thing. We had 15 people show up. And before I even started the seminar, I just asked, you know, show hands, who here has barbell deadlifted? Everyone's hand went up. I'm like, okay, sweet. Then I'm like, you know, how many of you have injured your lower back while barbell deadlifting? everyone's hand went up. So I'm like, okay, 
there is something going on in their biomechanics or how their body's set up or where they're deadlifting from that's causing this issue. So let's figure out a way together to get you back on the bar. See, a lot of times physios and chiros shy away from like, oh, I don't want you doing that because it's gonna further injure you. But maybe they just don't understand that the person has different lever links, you know, hip structure, and maybe you need to put them in a different position in order for them to utilize the exercise to their advantage. It's just troubleshooting, you know? It's like you have a list of stuff you need to be able to do and you start scratching them out and when you're left with two or three, attack those. See which ones work best and then follow through. So my kind of step steps in order to deadlift is like, number one, it's like, do you have low back pain right now? If the answer is yes, go seek professional help from a physio or chiro. This is where they'll figure out what's causing it. The second layer of that is getting an assessment done by a coach that's a little bit more movement um, uh, inspired or um, inclined by movement. And this is where I kind of step in because like, yeah, you know, I can test your hip for internal and external rotation, you know, passively with my hands, but that doesn't really tell me that much of how the person moves when put in the deadlift position. So the assessment that I do with all my in-person clients and online clients is a combination of, you know, the functional movement screen, the TPI, the, you know, Eric Cressy's assess and correct, um, stuff that I picked up from Strong First, stuff that I picked up from a couple of chiros and physios, all blended together as a combination of, you know, passive and active mobility, stability, see where the limiting factors are, and then apply those things in their program, in their warm up, and wherever I see fit. So that's kind of the second layer is getting a movement assessment done based on the individual's needs. And then on top of that is having a prerequisite list. And this is where um, I went into my presentation of, you know, what's needed for a proper barbell deadlift off the floor. And number one for me is having enough anterior and posterior core strength. You know, like you need significant level of strength in your core, and I use air quotes in this, because a lot of times when I say core, some people are like, oh, abs. But I'm thinking like if you put a saran wrap piece around your whole torso, starting at like your shoulders down to your hips, that's what I think about core. All those muscles in a like cylinder type of position is where I want people to be strong in order to be able to lift a heavy weight. Because if you are strong in that torso, think of like a tree trunk going in a big thick circle, this will ensure that our spine doesn't flex forward into flexion under heavy load because that's where people break. You know, they start listening to their ego and they keep slapping weight on the bar and then as they're grinding it out, they let their spine collapse forward a little bit and that's where, you know, things get into a hyperextend position or just positions where the spine is not going to be happy and over time, that's going to cause a lot of shit down the road, aka pain. So when people in the gym are wasting time with crunches, that's not going to cut it. Like you need, again, air quotes, functional core exercises, things like 
planks, you know, half kneeling anti rotation presses, chops and lifts, fucking loaded carries, something to make you resilient to keep that spine protected. So the second prerequisite that I always tell people that they need is enough thoracic spine mobility. So this is where engaging your lats becomes so important to be able to handle heavier loads on the deadlift without compensation. So in order to properly engage your lats, you have to be able to extend the T-spine, right? So think about your upper spine. If you cut your spine in half, that upper half should be able to extend without arching your lower back or compensating in any other way. And a lot of people, especially general population, they can't extend their thoracic spine. It's kind of stuck. So where they get that extension is from their lumbar spine. And that's where a lot of people get pain, right? Our lumbar spine now has to work for our compromised extension. So this is where in their program, I'm going to be putting a lot of thoracic extension and rotation drills in order to open that up along with, you know, opening up those tight lats because so many of us just sit all the fucking time. The story I tell everyone is like the average person will wake up, go into their car, drive for about 45 minutes to get to work. Then they go sit at their desk for eight to 10 hours. Then they go back into the car to drive for another hour or two in traffic. They get home, they sit down to eat dinner. And after they're done dinner, they go sit down on the couch and finish the night with Netflix sitting again. And now you go repeat that five days a week, sometimes six if you have to work on the weekends, slap on two decades worth of that. And at that two decade mark, you realize, oh shit, I need to go back to the gym. And out of nowhere, you're like, fuck, I can't squat or touch my toes or do reach my hands over my head. No wonder your back hurts deadlifting. This is the stuff that people don't think about. Number three is having proper activation of your lats. So just like before, having enough thoracic mobility, this goes hand in hand. A lot of people, when they um, limit thoracic extension, they think they are activating their lats by squeezing their shoulder blades. So maybe because they have um, less thoracic extension, they're instead going to pinch their shoulder blades back to chi hit. But you're not acti- actually activating your lats by squeezing your scaps together. All you're really doing is activating all those small little stabilizers. And when you look at powerlifting, when they're at heavy loads, those small little stabilizers in your scaps actually are not strong enough to carry the load on the bar. So a lot of times it kind of looks like they have a rounded back, but if you actually draw an angle on their back and those powerlifters, they still have a flat spine. It's just their shoulder blades are now dropping forward because the load on the bar is too heavy. So having proper lat activation helps stabilizes the spine and this will allow you to transfer energy between the upper and lower body more effectively. So pinching your scaps back is not going to do it. This is why when I get people deadlifting, I'm telling them to like pull the bar towards them. Like if you think about if you were standing or sitting right now and you put your arms out at 90 degrees and you're actively pulling your hands down towards your legs, you're activating your lats compared to squeezing your shoulder blades back. So the last one, the final point that 
a lot of people don't think about is having full hip extension with glute activation. So a lot of times the lack of glute activation and limited hip extension when deadlifting leads to a lot of hyperextension of the lower back and this over time will overdevelop the spinal erectors. Um, a lot of times I see this in yoga instructors and funny enough uh, I'm mentoring a new um, trainer right now and she traditionally comes back uh, comes from a uh, yogi background so you know super flexible probably hyper mobile most yogis are and you know she moves pretty well and I asked her like okay let's go over the deadlift today and I asked do you barbell deadlift she's like yep I do it and I'm like okay let's see what we're working with and automatically boom like that her first initial movement is extending the lower back instead of extending her hips forward. And I asked her, like, do you ever get low back soreness or pain when you deadlift? She's like, all the fucking time. And I'm like, there you go. So when you look at a sport like yoga um, or activity like yoga, they have so many like forward bends and forward folds and they allow that lumbar spine to kind of just bend forward. So in deadlifting especially heavy loads your lumbar spine has to be really really stiff you know they it has to act as a solid tree trunk to prevent it from collapsing but in yoga it allows it to be curved so if you think about like a thick branch and you try to bend it in half that's not going anywhere Whereas a, a yogi spine it's like a thin young branch where you can bend and twirl it around and it's not going to break at all so for her i'm like you need to learn how to extend your hips first compared to extending your lower back first this is where a lot of people um get it wrong and over time it just becomes a habit and it takes such a long time to get out of a bad habit so my whole thing is you know if you don't meet those four points there is a series of steps that I like to take a client so no matter what most of the time I would say 90% of the time when I'm working with a brand new client they don't know how to hinge at their hips and extend with their hips without lumbar extension so the first thing I teach them is how to hinge you know things like using the dowel the bench using the wall to teach that difference between pushing your butt back and having your knees come forward for a squat is detrimental to not detrimental critical and vital to have performing a proper deadlift and i usually spend four to six weeks here just teaching the person how to push their ass back and then from there i'll do an elevated kettlebell deadlift now i want to load the pattern because after about four to six weeks people kind of understand what they have to do with their body shift the hips back shift the hips back it just becomes automatic from there i want to challenge it with load i want to stress it so i will keep the deadlift elevated depending on a certain height so with that person after four to six weeks learning how to hinge i will take a dowel and tell them we're going to pretend to deadlift like this is a barbell so i'm going to put my two my uh, fingers on their lumbar spine together so think i have a karate chop hand putting it on their lumbar spine and i tell them i want you to pretend that you're lowering the bar just like a regular deadlift 
to the ground and I'm going to tell you when to stop. As they're slowly um, going down to the ground with their fake barbell, the moment my fingers you know, leave each other, they're no longer touching each other, I tell them to stop. What's happening is that their um, vertebrae are now flexing forward. The moment that happens, I tell them to stop and then we measure their imaginary line of where the dowel sits. That's where their height should be for their deadlift. So when I get that measurement, that's where I'm starting with them with a kettlebell. Because now I know that if they go any further down, they're going to be flexing at that spine. So let's reinforce a good pattern and actually get those glutes and hams and lats engaged during the exercise. As that becomes easier and their movement becomes more efficient, you know, I'll increase the load of the kettlebell, I'll lower the elevation and retest that simple test. It takes like 30 seconds or less. From there, as they get more proficient, I may move to a double kettlebell. You know, as you get to the 24 kilo, you can might as well go up to the um, to double, and now you can increase the load that way. From there, I might move from the trap to the trap bar because I find a lot of people find that a lot easier to um, master compared to having the barbell in front of them. From the trap bar, I might go to a barbell deadlift depending on the situation because everyone's so different. Right? There's no like perfect linear line of where people should be deadlifting when they are on their journey of learning how to hinge properly. A lot of times people have such different hip structure and I'm going to do a part two of this for the squat where I get in depth about hip anatomy. But the person who is on the left and right of you deadlifting at the same time, they will have a different stance, different grip different body position in order for them to be able to lift the weight off the ground effectively. So this is where it comes down to the individual. Like I have to see how their body's moving. So during this seminar and I was getting, I was going one by one with every single person while everyone else was watching the, what I was doing with people. And I had two people who injured their backs so badly while deadlifting that they were actually pretty intimidated to go touch the barbell again. The first one, um, she mentioned that it's been seven months since she touched a barbell because she really hurt her back. You know, I did the little elevation test. I got her to the bar. We figured out a good foot position, a good grip position, head position, neutral spine, getting the lats engaged, creating tension in their core, creating tension at her feet. She lifted the bar and came back down and she said, that felt really good. And I'm like, Fuck, awesome, right? It's just finding what the individual needs. Everyone's deadlift will look different. It doesn't matter if you have to be in a staggered stance. It doesn't matter if your feet are wider or more narrow or if you're going sumo. It all depends on your anatomy of your hip, your spine, freaking elbows, knees, whatever. It all depends. The second one, which really broke my heart because I thought our industry was getting better. She said last time she deadlifted, she messed up her back really badly and her trainer was coaching her. So I'm like, okay, well, let's get to the bar and see what we're dealing with. 
And as she's telling me her story, she has a full rounded back and she was about to lift the bar. And I'm like, whoa, 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 just wait a second. And in my head, I'm like, her trainer saw this and did not stop her. She probably was deadlifting with a rounded back, rep after rep, set after set, and eventually her back was like, fuck off, we're not doing this anymore, and that's when shit hit the fan. I got into just getting, finding neutral spine and gripping the bar like she wanted to break it, and she lifted that thing, and she was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, when you do things right, the body feels good. So it blows my mind where... You know, the deadlift is one of those lifts where a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's bad for your back. But it's like, no, it's not bad for your back. It's just you were never shown the right way to do it for your body structure. So this is why when I train people in person and online, I want a thorough assessment of how they move. I want to see how their deadlift looks. I want to give you every single pointer I have in order to make it fit. Because if you're just looking at a YouTube video of how other people deadlift and your body's not built the way that they're built, then you're just smashing a square pig in a round hole over and over and over again, hoping that it's gonna fit one of these days and it's never going to fit. And then your back hurts and you just go, you know what? The deadlift is not for me. The deadlift is the worst exercise ever, but it's not. It's just finding what works for you. You are a unique person with so many different variables compared to the person left or right of you doing the same exercise. So I'm going to leave it at that because I always try to keep these freaking solo episodes at 10 minutes, but it's been 25, but this was a lot of good information. If anyone out there has any comments, questions, or if you want your deadlift to be just like looked by me, fuck, I don't even care. Just go film yourself tomorrow at the gym email it to me, message me on Instagram or Facebook, and I'm gladly taking the time to look over your deadlift. I love doing that shit. It just gets me so hyped, so I'm going to leave it at that. Hopefully this was beneficial to you. Um, Share, 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 share this podcast with your friends and family. Let's grow this thing. If you have any feedback or guest recommendations, I am all ears. Until next time, you guys, that's it for me.